the city of Providencialis. Here is tonight's Nations Report with Zoya Fessler. TCI Hospital completes second annual medical conference. Drive-by shooting in Puerto Rico takes the lives of five. An American father in Russia sentenced to 21 years in prison for abusing his sons. A look at sports and your weather forecast all here right now. Welcome listeners to the Nation Station, RTC 89.1 FM. It's a pleasure to have you join us today. It's the middle of the work week. It's Wednesday, February 14th, and it's also Valentine's Day. Now, there are many stories behind the meaning of Valentine's Day. However, it is a Christian, romantic, cultural, commercial observance signifying the feast day of St. Valentine. Not just today should we spread the gift of love, but we should do so every day. The world is filled with so much crime and negativity that we should be positive bursts of light into someone's life. With that being said, we need to show some love in our nation's capital. As the Royal Turks and Caicos Islands Police Force is actively investigating two reports in Grand Turk involving the discharging of firearms. At 9.25 a.m. on February 13th, a male victim reported to officers at the Grand Turk Police Station that while driving an overback Grand Turk, someone pointed a firearm and fired a shot in his direction. The victim escaped injury. At 7.55 p.m. on Monday, the 12th of February, the police control room received a call of gunshots in Overback, Grand Turk. Officers were dispatched to the location where the scene was processed. Based on investigations, no injuries were reported. The public is advised to notify the closest police station, contact 911, the Serious Crimes Unit at 649-231-1842 or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-8477 and anonymously give any information. Now, the Turks and Caicos Islands Hospital has concluded its second annual medical conference under the theme Emerging Trends in Clinical Oncology. The two-day event held at the Palms Resort in Providenciales on January 26 and 27, 2024, gathered regional healthcare policymakers, professionals, experts and participants, both in person and virtually, to exchange knowledge and advancements in the field of oncology. The in-person sessions achieved full attendance, providing an engaging experience for all participants. The virtual sessions welcomed nearly 200 participants each day, demonstrating a high level of interest and dedication to advancing the understanding and treatment of oncological conditions. The conference facilitated knowledge, dissemination, innovation and collaborative synergy with the field of oncology. Participation, discussions and presentations reflected a commitment to advancing oncological research, diagnosis and patient care. Expert speakers and researchers in the persons of Dr. Taraline Malcolm, a Pan American Health Organization or PAHO advisor for NCDs and Mental Health for Barbados and the Eastern 
Eastern Caribbean, delivered the keynote address, entitled Establishing Effective National Cancer Screening and Prevention Programs in Small Island Developing States. This keynote address was followed by a panel discussion entitled Developing National Cancer Prevention Programs in Small Island Developing States Through Policy and Education, The Way Forward. This panel discussion featured Dr. Mauricio Maza, the Pan American Health Organization Regional Advisor for Cancer, Dr. Heather Armstrong from the Caribbean Public Health Agency, Head of Chronic Disease and Injury Department, Daisy Lee Chin, Acting Chief Epidemiologist for the Ministry of Health, Turks and Caicos Islands, Dr. Taralene Malcolm, and Dr. Dingle Spence. Other distinguished presenters included Dr. Dingle Spence, consultant visiting oncologist for Interhealth Canada TCI Hospital, delivering a passionate and inspiring lecture on palliative care and pain management. Dr. Sheree Ward-Chin, a consultant oncologist with Interhealth Canada TCI Hospital, presenting the topic Genetic Testing for Hereditary Cancer Risk, Cost versus Benefit, the Regional Perspective. Dr. Darren Halliday, consultant gynecologic oncologist at Princess Margaret Hospital in the Bahamas, who addressed cervical cancer screening, past, present, and future. Dr. Ian Bambury, consultant gynecologic oncologist for the University Hospital of the West Indies, spoke to managing ovarian masses, taking a closer look. Dr. Jason Copeland, consultant general surgeon and breast surgical oncologist at Kingston Public Hospital in Jamaica, presenting de-escalating surgeries in breast cancer treatment, Oncoplastic Breast Conservation Therapy, What Patients and Physicians Need to Know. Dr. Roy McGregor, Consultant Visiting Urologist for Interhealth Canada TCI Hospital, presenting the topic, A Physician's Guide to Prostate Cancer, Emerging Trends in Management. Dr. Don Perry Ewing, the Chief of Medical Services and the visionary leader behind the annual medical conference, voiced elation at the event's success, explaining, quote, The overwhelming success of our second annual medical conference centered on the theme of emerging trends in oncology. It encapsulates the unwavering dedication of our healthcare community to fostering innovation, knowledge dissemination, and transformative strides in cancer care. We are even more encouraged to continue our battle against this group of diseases after experiencing the passion for resource sharing from all stakeholders who gathered with us this weekend. End quote. And the general public is hereby advised that the Blue Hills Community Clinic will be closed from February 13th for the remainder of the week due to unforeseen circumstances. The government-operated clinic at the Cheshire Hall Medical Center will be operational during the following times. Today, February 14th through the 16th of 2024, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. The extended hours clinic at the hospital will remain operational Monday to Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. The Blue Hills Clinic will resume its regular services on February 19, 2024 at 8.30 a.m. That was your local news. Regional is up next.
Five people were killed and four others were in critical condition after a drive-by shooting at a street side bar in Puerto Rico, police said Tuesday. Authorities believe the shooting late Monday was tied to drug trafficking. While Puerto Rico has long served as a transit point for multi-million dollar drug shipments out of South America, drug-related shootings involving multiple victims are considered rare. The shooting raises concerns that this could change. Police said in a statement that unknown suspects in a moving car opened fire in the northern town of Toa Baja. Three men and two women were killed, and three women and one man were hospitalized. Among those in critical condition was the brother of the former mayor of the coastal town of Catano, according to police. Authorities said a 35-year-old suspected drug dealer killed in the shooting appeared to be the target. No one has been arrested. At least 74 killings have been reported on the island of 3.2 million inhabitants this year, just six more than in the same period last year. And the St. Peter's community in St. Kitts is reeling with shock after a 35-year-old mother, Colander Keynes, was charged with the tragic murders of her own children, 4-year-old Kalasia and 6-month-old Kevon. Colander was charged by the Royal St. Christopher and Nevis Police Force with two counts of murder. The incident, which occurred between February 8th and 9th, has left the community in disbelief. According to authorities, the bodies of Kalasia and Kavon were discovered at their home in Upper Monkey Hill, St. Peter's, following a police response to the scene last Friday. Both were unresponsive and subsequently pronounced deceased at the scene. Keynes, the mother, was found alive in another bedroom. An autopsy was conducted on each of the children, and the reports stated that the children died of mechanical asphyxasia. Mechanical asphyxation is when an object or a physical force stops you from breathing. Keynes was charged on February 12, 2024, at the Basseteer Police Station. So far, four people have been murdered in St. Kitts this year. And Haiti's renowned rum has become the newest victim of violent gangs vying to control a growing number of businesses and territory in the troubled Caribbean nation. At least 8 hectares, or 19.8 acres of sugarcane fields, were torched in recent days as rival gangs fought near the Rum Barbancourt Distillery in the Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince, the company said in a statement Sunday. Rum is derived from sugarcane. The number of acres burned would cover more than four soccer fields, but Bobancourt officials stressed the lost fields would not affect its production. The company's foundation, however, said it would temporarily stop distributing free potable water, providing medical care and offering the use of football fields and basketball courts in order to protect the safety of its employees. Haiti's rum is considered one of the country's most popular exports. That was your regional news. World News is up next. A Russian judge convicted a Texas man on Tuesday of abusing his two sons between 2014 and 2018 in the United States, even though the law enforcement officials in suburban Houston, who previously investigated the allegations, never found cause to file charges. 
David Barnes, 66 years old, was sentenced to 21 years in a high-security Russian penal colony. His attorney, Gleb Glinka, said he is planning to appeal. Barnes, a native of Huntsville, Alabama, has been detained in Moscow since January of 2022. His bench trial began in the fall of 2022 but occurred on non-consecutive days and did not conclude until Monday. Barnes testified in his own defense near the end of the trial. He was arrested by Russian authorities a few weeks after his family said he traveled to Moscow to see his children and apply for visitation rights in a Russian family court. Barnes's children had allegedly been taken out of the United States in 2019 illegally by his Russian ex-wife Svetlana Koptaeva during a custody dispute causing Interpol to issue global yellow warning notices to announce that the boys were missing. A warrant for felony interference with child custody against Koptaeva was previously issued by Montgomery County prosecutors. A criminal complaint said that Koptaeva failed to comply with any condition for travel outside the United States with the children, and that an FBI agent believed she initially flew with the children from Houston to Istanbul. Barnes was subsequently designated by a Texas court as the children's primary guardian, though the designation has been unenforceable due to the children disappearing from the United States. Koptaeva had previously gone to law enforcement in Texas to allege that Barnes had abused the children there, but officials in the Lone Star State investigated the claims and found no basis to file charges against him. In 2018, the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services found insufficient evidence to support the accusations of abuse and closed the case. After Barnes arrived in Russia, Koptaeva reported the allegations from Texas to police in Moscow. Koptaeva later testified as part of the trial. And William Bill Post, the man often credited with inventing the beloved breakfast treat Pop-Tarts, has died at the age of 96 years old. Born on June 27, 1927 in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Post was one of seven children born to Dutch immigrants and at the age of 16, Post began working part-time washing trucks at Heckman Biscuit Company, this according to his obituary. After serving in the Army Air Corps in occupied Japan during World War II, Post would eventually return to Heckman at the age of 21 to work full as the personal manager while also assisting with sales and production along with many of the other elements of the business. Fast forward 20 years and Bill as the plant manager of Heckman, later known as the Keebler Company, welcomed some executives from Kellogg's who asked if he thought it would be possible for Keebler to create a new product they had in mind. It is at this juncture that Bill is often credited for having invented the Pop-Tart, post-obituary states. To be accurate, however, Bill would say, I assembled an amazing team that developed Kellogg's concept of a shelf-stable toaster pastry into a fine product that we could bring to market in the span of just four months. Pop-Tarts made their debut to the public in 1964 with the four original flavors of strawberry, blueberry, brown sugar cinnamon, and apple currant. 
Now, 60 years later, there are between 20 to 30 flavors on the market at any given time, with new flavors constantly being in development and tested for an ever-changing market. Post's wife of 72 years and his best friend Florence died in 2020. He now leaves behind his two children and their spouses, as well as several grandchildren and great-grandchildren who were the lights of his life. That was World News Sports is up next. Boston Celtics forward Jason Tatum, through his nonprofit, is helping the community buy their first home. He remembers how it felt when he bought his first home, and Tatum told the Associated Press in an interview how he wants to help others in his hometown of St. Louis get that feeling themselves and buy their own homes. He said that the financial services company SoFi has given the Jason Tatum Foundation $1 million to help do just that. With that donation, it will help the foundation grant funds to home buyers to help with a down payment. Established in 2017, the same year he was drafted by the Celtics, Tatum's nonprofit hosts toy drives, back to school giveaways, and basketball camps in St. Louis. It also offers scholarships to St. Louis High School students, along with mentoring. The new funding is part of a program that will support single parents, an idea that Tatum said he had for a long time and was waiting to find the right moment to launch. And Shaquille O'Neal was Orlando's first in lots of ways, first number one overall draft pick, first player to make an all-star team in a Magic uniform, first rookie of the year, first All-NBA selection, and the first big-time superstar to leave the franchise. It's that last part that he figured might cost him. O'Neal never thought that the Magic would raise his jersey to the rafters of their arena. But he was wrong, and Tuesday night, Orlando retired O'Neal's number 32 jersey, another first for the team and its first star. Most fans stayed for the post-game ceremony, even after the Magic fell to Oklahoma City Thunder, 127-113. to The Magic, who are celebrating their 35th season, drafted O'Neal number one overall in 1992. They've never retired a number for a player, but decided their anniversary season was the right time. Many of O'Neill's former Orlando teammates were there on Tuesday night, including Penny Hardaway, Dennis Scott, and Nick Anderson. And before the San Francisco 49ers started their latest postseason run, coach Kyle Shanahan sat down with the team's analytics staff and went through the potential scenarios for a game that might reach over time. The NFL installed new rules for postseason overtime in March of 2022 that would allow for each team to get a possession regardless of what the team with the ball first does, unless there is a defensive score. But the 49ers had not been involved in an overtime game in the playoffs in that time. All of which made what happened in Sunday night's Super Bowl 58 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs 
uncharted territory for both teams. After multiple 49ers said after the game they were not aware of the overtime setup, Shanahan said Tuesday he had laid out a plan with his staff before the playoffs began. He said he also instructed his assistant coaches to let the team know before the overtime period started, but did not feel the need to discuss the plan with his team before that point. Multiple 49ers said on Tuesday that whether they knew the specifics of the rule or not did not change the fact that they needed to try to score an offense and get a stop to beat the Chiefs and claim the franchise's long-awaited sixth Lombardi trophy. That was sports. The weather forecast is up next. It's Wednesday, so we are joined by the TCI National Weather Service for your three-day forecast. For the general situation, high-pressure ridging continues to support fair weather conditions across the Turks and Caicos Islands today. For today's forecast, weather will be mostly sunny and warm, becoming mostly fair and mild tonight. Winds are light and variable, becoming northeast to east at 10 to 15 knots tonight. Seas are 3 feet or less near shore and 3 to 5 feet offshore. Daytime high temperature will be at 82 degrees Fahrenheit and the overnight low temperature dropping to 73 degrees Fahrenheit tonight. Sunset will be at 5.45 p.m. The next low tide will be at 4.48 p.m. and the next high tide will be at 10.40 p.m. For the extended forecast for the next two days, a weak cold front across the central Bahamas is expected to drift slowly southeastward and produce a few showers across the Turks and Caicos Islands tomorrow. High pressure will build in the wake of the front. Thursday forecast calls for a mix of sun and clouds with few passing showers in the morning, becoming partly cloudy with a slight chance of showers at night. Chance of rain is 20%. Winds will be northeast to east at 10 knots or less during the day, increasing to 15 to 20 knots at night. Seas will be 3 to 5 feet over the ocean, building up to 5 to 7 feet at night. Sunrise will be at 6.19 a.m. Sunset will be at 5.45 p.m. For Friday's forecast, weather will be par partly sunny with isolated showers possible, becoming mostly fair with isolated showers possible at night. Winds will be easterly at 15 to 20 knots, becoming east to southeast at 10 to 15 knots at night. Seas will be 5 to 7 feet in northeasterly swells. Sunrise will be at 6.19 a.m. and sunset will be at 5.46 p.m. That is the three-day public weather forecast issued on Wednesday the 14th of February by the Turks and Caicos Islands National Weather Service. Thank you all so much. That ends today's weather. Recapping the news, TCI Hospital completes second annual medical conference. Drive-by shooting in Puerto Rico takes the lives of five. An American father in Russia sentenced to 21 years in prison for abusing his sons. Once again, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to the nation station RTC 89.1 FM. It's been a pleasure to have you join us. If you missed today's presentation or any other, you can always visit our website at www.rtc89fm.com or download the RTC app in the Google Play Store. That wraps up the news, Turks and Caicos. Enjoy your evening and remember that every day should be Valentine's Day. We need to showcase a little more love in this world.
Join us again tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. for another edition of The Nation's Report.